0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to this message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. There's a text in 2 Kings in the Bible. It's beginning in chapter 4. It's a story about a woman who has lost everything and is about to lose even the little bit that she has left. It begins like this. It says, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha. Elisha is a greater prophet. He's one of the chief prophets around. She says, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she says, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Have you ever gotten yourself into too deep? Have you ever been in a space where you think something was going to work out for you in your favor? But in reality, it ended up working against you. I remember I was over at my cousin's house when we were younger. My older cousin, Chalunji was supposed to take care of us, and her little brother, Noel, who was my age, uh, him and uh, I were just two little seven, eight, nine-year-olds hanging out, chilling, trying to figure out what else we could get into. He came up with a bright idea of going into my cousin's purse and taking the bright, shiny $20 bill that was in there so that we can go to the store and go buy some candy. As a seven- or eight-year-old, all you got to do is dangle candy in front of our eyes or in our minds and we're ready to go so I was like hey that sounds like a good idea are you sure it's okay and he's like hey you know what at the end of the day this was supposed to be for our food it's supposed to take care of us I'm like you're right bro you are a smart man let's roll so we went into the store and bought a whole bunch of candy came home was enjoying the candy when my other cousin walks in and he's like what are you guys doing where did you guys get all this candy and I was just like, uh, "It was no." He told her. He he told me to go with him to the store. Yes, I snitched. I'm sorry. Hey, listen, come from a long line of snitches. Uh, but anyway, I wasn't about to go down for him. This was his idea. Noel looks at me. Is like, "What? Well, wait, you went to the store with me?" In that moment, we knew that we were in too deep. My cousin said. Ooh, I'm telling and we were so scared. We were so freaked out because back in the day was the days when anybody can whip you. So my older cousin comes around and she finds out that we took the $20 out of her purse and we caught a whooping from her that day. And then when my aunt came home, My cousin told my aunt, and she gave us a whooping that day. And then my dad came to pick me up, and my aunt sent both me and Noel back to my house, and we caught a whooping that day. And the whole time I'm saying, it wasn't even my idea. But the reality is, just being an accomplice, I ended up getting myself in too deep. I'll tell you what, even today, I don't even like being around women's purses. Shoot, my wife leaves her purse around and I try to leave the room because I don't want to be around a purse. I've been scarred. But this message is less about my childhood antics. And it's more about us beginning to wrestle with the challenges of bad decisions, missed opportunities, and dire circumstances. This woman has fallen into a situation that she can't get out of. She's trapped. Everything has been taken away from her. The debt collectors are not just coming. The debt collectors have come. They're there. We don't know if they're outside. We don't know if they're in the house, but she's about to lose even the little that she has. Her husband has amassed a debt. He's now died. She can't pay it off. So the only thing that she has to do is sell her children into slavery. Back in this day, this was a common practice and really a common problem that when you amassed debt, you either sold one of your family members or you yourself sold yourself into slavery. Uh, Listen, she wasn't waiting on no tax returns. Those had been garnished already. She wasn't waiting for a twelve hundred dollar stimulus check. That was not coming. And to make it worse, not only has her husband died, but her children being taken away. Now, this misfortune was going to end up being an indictment on her character. See, back in this time, they figured that if all of this misfortune comes to you, then you must have done something wrong to make God mad. You must have done some crazy sin that you deserve this punishment. What would you do? What do you do when you're backed into a wall? where there's no chances of getting out, when bad decisions have led you into a bad situation, when bad debt has caused you to be in a situation where they're coming to pick up the car, they're trying to take the house, they're trying to take everything that you have and you've got nothing else left, what do you do when bad pandemics causes you to lose your hope of the future or lose your job? She's in a bad situation. She appeals to the prophet and said, "Listen, my husband was a believer. He feared God. How can God allow this happen to me? I I, I went to church with my husband. Uh, we paid tithes and we were involved in the choir. We did everything that we were supposed to do. Why is it that God has forgotten about me in this situation? Because my husband, at least my husband, feared the Lord. I want to teach you a little something here." Close proximity with God is not an antidote to misfortune, but it is a guarantee that God will always have your back. I'll say it again. Close proximity with God is not an antidote to misfortune, but it is a guarantee that God will always have your back. And we see this take place in this story. We learned a couple lessons of what it's like to fall into a tough situation, but rely on the God who can make any misfortune turn into a fortunate experience for you and I. The first lesson is this acknowledge and admit that you're in too deep. Acknowledge and admit that you're in too deep. See, she didn't hide the fact that she was in a bad situation. Uh, She didn't try to cover it up. She didn't try to keep up appearances because, uh, you know, and I know that keeping up uh, appearances is the recipe for disaster. So you've got to get real. You've got to get to the place when you acknowledge the fact that I'm in a tough situation and I don't know how to get out. See, she didn't run from her problem. She ran to somebody who could provide a solution. She went to the prophet. I wonder If you have somebody you can run to when you fall into a tough situation, do you have a circle around you? Who's willing to hold you up, who you're willing to be real with, who you can be totally transparent with individuals who aren't going to ridicule you. Who aren't going to judge you. Who aren't going to make fun of you. Who aren't going to talk bad behind your back. People who you can come and get real to and say, things have gotten really, really bad. And I don't know what to do. And can I tell you, If you don't have anybody in your life right now that you can go to, if you are in a tough situation, you can always go to God. God's ear is always listening to his people. God wants to act in your life, but you've got to be willing to not act like everything is good. You've got to be willing to share that I've got a problem and I'm in need of rescue. In verse two, it goes on. It says, and Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Now, this statement, if we were to translate it in regular vernacular, it's like, hey, what's that got to do with me? I'm not the one who amassed the debt. What do you want me to do about it? I can't erase the debt for you. Here's the reality. You're in this situation and this is not what she expected to hear. Hey, how would you feel if you go to somebody who you're expecting to provide the comfort or provide the, 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 the listening ear and provide some uh, holy advice? And they're like, hey, listen, what does that have to do with me? You could just imagine the discouragement that's starting to happen in her mind right now. You could imagine how the negative thoughts are starting to creep in. She's probably thinking, I'm so stupid. How did I allow us to get to this situation? Why didn't I have money conversations with my husband? Why did I let this go on so long? Now I'm about to lose even my two sons. I'm so dumb. How could I, why would I allow myself to ever get myself in this situation? Maybe you're in that space. Maybe you're feeling that same way. How the heck did this get to this point? Why did I allow the situation to get this bad? Obviously she has no money. She's got no valuable possessions. And Elisha doesn't stop there. He says, what shall I do for you? Then he says, tell me, what have you in the house? And she says, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. What's in your house? What do you have? What's in your house? currently in your possession we know that you don't have money we know that you don't have the resources but what do you have and her answer is nothing but a jar of oil historians have taken a look at this text and looked at the historical context and they've seen and they've come up with the conclusion that this jar of oil was something very insignificant it was probably a small jar of anointing oil. This wasn't uh, oil for fuel. This wasn't oil for cooking. This was probably some balm that could be used to, to heal a sore or something like that. Something very small. Something that wasn't worth much money. But she had something. She didn't have nothing. She had something. And all of us have Something. Many times we get into states in our mind where we feel like we don't have anything. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. I don't have any resources. I don't have any money. I don't have a rich uncle. I don't have people who are going to come to my rescue. What do you have? I think this is a good question that we should all be able to ask ourselves. What do you have? A few weeks ago, my wife, Christine, preached a message about what's in your hand. And she talked about how uh, when she was lost outside, she began to sing. She didn't have a flashlight. She didn't have GPS. She didn't have a cell phone, but she had her voice. What do you have? What talent do you have? What experience do you have? What's that small insignificant thing that you feel that means absolutely nothing? What do you have? Are you living from a place of defeat or determination? She sees this jar of oil as ordinary, as insignificant, as unimportant, negligible, and useless, she feels that it's just ordinary, and I don't know about you, but I serve a God who loves to take the ordinary and make it extraordinary. God wants to take everything in our lives that seems useless and make it useful. God wants to take everything that seems insignificant in our life, and He majors in making insignificant things significant. Lesson number two that we learn in this text act on the advice. Given even when it's counterintuitive. Act on the advice given even if it seems counterintuitive. Verses three and four says this. Then he said, This is Elisha the prophet he says, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons, and pour into all these vessels, and one is full when one is full, set it aside. He says, hey, go borrow a bunch of jars, pots, whatever you can pour oil into. And don't just get a few of them. Don't be shy. Go out and get as many as you possibly can. And it's easy in that moment to disbelieve and say, that sounds dumb. I have a little bit of oil. Why would I expend the time? Time is running out. They're here to take my sons. Time is running out. They're here to take everything I own. Why would I spend time going and knocking on people's houses? What are they going to think of me? They've already seen me lose my husband. They've already probably seen the debt collectors outside of my house. They've seen them hauling out all the furniture and hauling out everything that I own. Why would I expend the time to go do something that is so dumb, that is counterintuitive? You've got to give me a better idea than that preacher. These people are going to know my situation. They're going to know how dire it is. And they're going to be like, man, if you're, if they've taken everything from you, I don't want my pots and pans to go as well too. I don't want my jars and my earthenware to go too. They might think it's yours and repossess that as well too. But here's the deal. What does she have to lose? She was going to lose everything anyway. And maybe for you, you're in a situation where where maybe somebody has given you an idea, a a thought, an idea of what you can invest in or what you can do or somebody to go have a conversation with. And you're thinking it's impossible. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to be able to get that breakthrough. This is ridiculous. It'll never work. But can I challenge you with this? You will never know the plan won't work until you work the plan. You will never know the plan won't work until you work the plan. Michael Hyatt, one of my favorite bloggers and writers, says this. He says, see the future in terms of probability, not certainty. Stop looking at what is now and start thinking about what it could be. Because I believe we serve a God who wants us to know what we now see won't be what will be. Lesson number three that we learned is don't get creative with God's directives don't get creative with God's directive don't try to concoct and try to uh, circumvent if if the idea has come if God's word has spoken to you if you read God's word and he says do this and do that don't try to get creative and try to figure out how you can manufacture it to happen so that it makes sure so that you can make sure it happens what did she do she just followed directions She followed that directions down to the T in verse five. It says, so she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped blowing. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. She went and she followed the directions and when she started pouring the oil the oil started flowing and then they're filling up jugs and they're filling up drums and they're filling up all types of stuff and I can picture it. It's all around the house and she's going crazy. She's like, this is amazing. I can't believe this is happening. Go get more and go get more and go get more. Her sons are like, mom we've knocked on every single door. We've gone around the corner. We went down the street. We took an Uber and went down to the other side of the state and we still can't find any more. It's all done. We've got everything that our community has. It says, then the oil stopped flowing. The oil did not stop flowing until they exhausted all the options. They had to actually act on God's word. And when they did it, they experienced a miracle like they had never experienced before. And God made what was insufficient, sufficient. God brought around a miracle that blew their minds. God provided the miracle, but here's the deal. She had to be willing to be obedient with what God had already placed in her hands. It wasn't about doubting time. It wasn't about a rationale. It was about saying, okay, if this is what God is calling us to do, if this is what the man of God has called us to do, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to follow it to the T and she experienced her miracle. In verse 7, it tells us this. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on the rest. He says, listen, you've got all this oil now. Hey, listen, go out and sell it. And you're going to be able to pay off all of your debts. And not only that, you're going to be able to live on the rest. It's interesting that in her hands, this jar of oil was nothing but a few drops left over. But in God's hands, it was a well of worth and a well of wealth that was going to provide for her and her sons. In her hands, it was at the point of running out. But in God's hands, it was overflowing. God didn't just meet her needs. He gave her long-term abundance. Incredible what God can do when we just are obedient. Lesson number four, God doesn't want to just meet your needs. He wants to exceed your expectations. God doesn't just want to meet your needs. He wants to exceed your expectations. But this is the case. She had to release what she had. She had to release the ordinary into the hands of an extraordinary God. And many of us look around and we say, but God, I don't have this and but God, I don't have that. And he asks us, what do you have? Would you take what's in your hands? Would you take that thing that you feel is insignificant, that thing that you feel is ordinary and put it in the hands of an extraordinary God and watch him work? See, here's the reality. This is what I want you to know as I've searched scripture and I've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. Your breakthrough starts with you. See, when you acknowledge and accept and admit the fact that you're in too deep. When you acknowledge and admit that you're in a place where you're going underwater and you don't have any other options and you don't have any other resources, you don't have any other way of escape. When you acknowledge and admit that you're in too deep, God listens and he hears you. And if you read God's word and and let him know and say, God, I need you to reveal to me what I need to know out of this situation. Many of the times we ask why when we should be asking what. What should I be learning out of this situation? A lot of times we ask, uh when am I going to get out of this? When we should be asking, how am I supposed to respond to this situation? We've got to act at the direction given. Act at the direction given. Don't get creative when God gives you what to do. We say around here Relevant, listen to God and do what he says. Because here's the reality. God will provide the miracle if we provide the obedience. God will provide the miracle if we provide the obedience because obedience turns ordinary actions into supernatural transactions. But the breakthrough starts with you. So what have you been waiting on? What breakthrough have you been waiting on? Where are you at? Do you feel like you're in too deep? Do you feel like you're in a space where you don't know how you're going to get from point A to point B? How you're going to overcome this experience? Can I tell you, your breakthrough begins with you. And I remember being in too deep in my life, in a place of Brokenness in a place where I felt that I didn't know if I had any more hope left in me. I felt like everybody had turned their backs on me. I felt like I was in a situation where uh, I just, uh, there was too much sin. I had done too much wrong. And I didn't know if God would ever forgive me or if God would ever accept somebody like me. I had to come to God and tell him, God, I'm in too deep and I don't know how to get out. My sin is too strong. I don't know how to get out. I'm too broken. I don't know how I'm going to get out. Then I remember reading the words in Isaiah chapter one. It says, come, let us reason together. This is God speaking. He says, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are obedient, you will eat of the fruit of the of the land. And I don't know about you. It's time to start eating. It's time to start getting healthy. It's time to start experiencing the miracles and the breakthrough that God has provided for us. And the beauty about this situation is God doesn't just want to meet our temporary needs. God wants to exceed our expectations. See, all of us Into deep when we're far from God. Sin creates a chasm that we have fallen into that we can't get out on ourselves, but Jesus Christ came from heaven, came to live the life that we couldn't live, came to take the punishment that we deserve from the debt that we had amassed. There was no way that we could pay off this debt. Soon and very soon, God was going to come and collect on the debt that we were owed, but Jesus stepped in the gap. Jesus came to pay that debt. And listen, if he just simply met our needs, It would have been a temporary reprieve from judgment. But God is amazing. Jesus is supernatural. Jesus is forgiving. Jesus is loving. He exceeded our expectations. We now have total release from condemnation. Romans 8.1 tells us, For there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All we have to do is release what we're holding, which is our lives, and put it in his hands. And he's going to take what's broken and make it whole. He's going to take... What's uh, ordinary and make it extraordinary. He'll take what is insignificant and make it make it significant. Do you want God to do something significant in your life? Well, breakthrough begins with you. Today, will you choose to give your life in obedience over to Jesus Christ? Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more messages like this one.